This is Junto, the engineer's perspective. I'm here with my good friends Matt Burgess and Dave Stewart, and I'm Corbin Buckler. Today we're going to talk about the food industry, so grab yourself a beverage, sit back, and enjoy the episode. Well, you guys know my topic. You want yeah. me to have a topic right now? I don't have one. I, I don't have one either. I was just kind of going to go off of yours, and I figured we'd take an hour to talk about that anyway. If yeah, we, I'm not planning to go over all. I was just getting a little. Yeah, I just skimmed that. I, I figure uh, I could talk about uh, nasty, uh, not nasty, but but actually consuming these things since you guys don't eat the, uh, the non-meat. Mm, right the plant-based stuff yeah i i kind of have the the vegetarian wife perspective slash i'm forced to eat it i'm more of the other people eat it i don't really but it's growing do you have anything and we we may get to this i may be jumping the gun about uh actual uh synthetic like cells like lab-grown cells or is it all plant-based stuff that you um looked into no i i haven't messed with any of that yet or looked into it okay you're saying like the where they grow the meat yeah like actually with mm-hmm. actual cells so it's like actually more similar to meat than you know just plant-based things and a bunch of different things that kind of make it taste like meat yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if Beyond Meat or Impossible, one of those. I'm not sure if they do any of that or if that's all just a bunch of plant shit mushed together. Uh, I know Impossible actually uses like uh, yeast and modifies it to produce hem, which is like a part of hemoglobin, which gives it that, you know, umami, you know, juicy, juicy, yeah, bloody, yeah, bloody, bloody taste. Whereas, uh, beyond it's just purely plant-based hmm. yeah i'm more i guess i'm on my so my topics like it's more of a food process side of things food in yeah food yeah. industry and then it's like the traditional and then how plant-based is getting popular taken off yeah you know? and it's more of like the the liquid side like the milks the alternative milks yeah that's really busted on the scene you got you got any topic dave you're gonna talk about or should we just jump into food let's just jump in. we can jump into food <laughs> all right so uh, i'll start out so the a couple of the magazines that i like look into when i was at shamball i still kind of peruse them occasionally there's um food engineering magazine dairy foods magazine um that they i guess at this time of the year they start um talking about largest food companies food and beverage companies based on food sales so obviously a lot of these companies they have they do other things you know somebody like cosmetics or um beer alcohol or something but this is just looking at their food sales um so i'll just talk Let's talk about the top five. So these are top 100 food and beverage companies. PepsiCo, number one, $70 billion in sales. Number two, Nestle. Three is JBS, which I I can't remember where they're from. Anheuser-Busch is fourth, and Tyson Foods is fifth. Would Anheuser-Busch get wrapped into EnBev? Yeah, yeah. But I think Anheuser-Busch is the American. So they break it out. Okay, so this, this is just North America. Okay. Yeah, 
Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Because otherwise, I think Nestle would be the biggest because Nestle's, you know, huge worldwide. You guys ever see the subreddit Hydro Homies? Of course. Hmm. <laughs> it just comes up on the, the main Reddit feed. Man, they hate Nestle. <laughs> Hydro Homies is is solely a subreddit about memes about drinking water. And half of them are just hmm. memes about shitting on Nestle because of all their awful practices. But oh. si- sidebar, continue. <laughs> and the weeds. I'll need to look into that. How they like pump wells dry in Michigan or something. Yeah, all the, all that awful stuff. And and like also like their practices for like uh, uh, cocoa. Oh. Yeah, like child child slave that. labor pretty much. Okay, top 100 dairy. So these are dairy-specific companies. Nestle's number one. They're huge. Saputo is like a big cheese and um, dairy brand. Dairy Farmers of America, um, which is uh, some projects I worked on in the past. Uh, Dannon, North America. And then AgriPure is number five. So those are some of the big, the big players in the dairy side. And then... Um, so, so this is all kind of traditional food manufacturers, right? Mm-hmm. And there's now it's like plant-based is the big thing and it's growing. So like one of the trends, there's some, uh, report I was looking at, they're kind of estimating that the plant, so plant-based food market is expected to grow about 12%, um, annually for the next like six years, obviously probably more than that, but, and it's growing right now too. Um, all, you know, the plant-based meats, plant-based milks, almond milks, oat milks. Um, there's some, I, I saw plant-based cheese, which I was just yeah, curious how gross. that I've was even that. made. I haven't had it recently, but Maybe. like, we melted it, so it was gross. Dude, Maybe if you just have it, it's okay. I don't know. Because I had it kind of melted, too. I went to, like, a vegan restaurant in Indy and got some mac and cheese, and it was just, like, nasty. It wasn't right. Dave, did it have a bunch of stuff on the package, like ingredients? The stuff you had? I have no idea, to be honest. Because <laughs> oh. I, look- I was looking into this a little bit. Well, I... Th- I think there, there's kind of, I think initially when it came out, it was, I mean, it just has, I think they just engineer, you know, just a crazy science project to try to recreate cheese out of plants. They, you know, they'd use like soy protein, vegetable oil, yeast, nuts, tapioca flour, you know, all this type of stuff to try to make it work. And now, and I, I haven't, I need to research this more, but they're trying to do a more traditional making of the cheese instead of using like dairy milk they'll use like nut milks enzymes mm. and and salt which is what they you know in, in traditional cheese making you just use milk a starter culture of like bacteria rennet and salt so i'd be curious like if you did a side by side of the ones where they're more trying to be more traditional well the, the minimal amount process. of ingredients yeah yeah a minimal amount of ingredients in these plant-based and see how they actually taste that uh, that like could these... be like our next thing 
when we get together. A yeah. charcuterie instead board of, of fake yeah, cheeses. Instead of having beer, we'll have <laughs> fake cheese. And then, and then we'll have all the good stuff still in the right. fridge. Yeah, so of course. Like, well, through, yeah, of we course. can make a good, a good charcuterie plate. So, you you yes. never went to uh, like a faux, not faux, whatever we're calling these uh, plant based cheese plant, did you, Corbin? No. Okay. No. But I but I was in a regular cheese plant, so I'm just curious. I'd be curious to how see how this like nut making it with nut milk would actually work. How yeah, how parallel it truly is and how yeah. you know Frankenstein it gets. Right. right. Um so some of the large plant based food companies, I was just like a brief trying to find some of these. Um Oatly, that's the you know, pretty predominant oat milk that you see in the stores beyond Meat, Hain celestial Sunopta. I think they also make an oat milk Califia farms. They also make an oat milk, almond milks, impossible foods, Amy's kitchen. I think Amy's kitchen, you see a lot, a lot of that stuff in uh, like the frozen aisle. No idea. They make a lot of like the vegan frozen dinners and appetizers and whatnot. And then there's corn foods and then eat just, which they do the, I think it's called like just egg or yeah, just egg. Have you seen, have you seen that? They're trying to be like a, like a fake egg, 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 egg fake replacement, egg, fake mayo, that type of thing. Um, what about like, like uh store-based brands? Like I've seen around here, Kroger has a lot of uh, of their own, you know, plant-based meats. Are they are they using one of these companies, or are they actually doing it themselves? Could be a combo. I don't I don't know, but it could be a combo. They could maybe have some of those plants in house, and then uh, some of them uh, co-pack. That's what you call that. If if Kroger didn't make it, they had like a Beyond Meat make it, yeah, and then sold it. How how common and like ballpark? Obviously, you don't have anything in front of you. Is co-packing in like the regular dairy and you know meat industry? Um, pretty common, I think. Pretty common. I don't know about the meat, but I know in dairy for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of companies that um, you would never recognize, and then they're making you know the dairy products for know kroger walmart whoever yeah but as a business they try to start bringing that stuff in house so then you can you know remove a layer of cost cost yeah well actually that leads kind of into a good point or a good segue um on the plant-based side so me personally i've had experience with this oat milk phenomenon and it's just going crazy. And I guess one of the, you know, one of the leaders in this oat milk is Oatly, which is based, they're based out of Sweden. They've been around for a while, over 20 years, 25 years. Um, and they're publicly traded, about $10, $10 billion market cap. But they, they just went public okay. this year. Okay. I was about yeah. to say they went, it was pretty recent, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, they're, they're basically what they're they're trying to do is just convert your typical dairy customer to 
a non basically become a non dairy customer. Um, try to convert them to oat milk. Um, they also do other things: frozen desserts, yogurt, which they call oatgurt in soft serve. Um, and they're just, I mean, they're growing like crazy. They basically in 2020, they doubled in revenues and by next, I think they said in the end of next year, they're trying to basically double their production to try to, they started to like 20 million liters in 2013 and get to like a billion liters in 2022. So they are just like, so, so for their growth, they obviously can't build plants that fast to make this oat milk product. So they have, they depend on, I think they said over uh, 50% is co-packed just so that they can get product out. And that's, and they said that's their problem. They can't make enough product. So is, is it like done through traditional dairies? Can they like, is there a major difference in process? Um, I, I don't know who, I don't know who would be making it for them. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to stick to just the press releases. Cause there are things that I know that I probably shouldn't say publicly. <laughs> Deal. Won't uh, get anyone in trouble, but, but you know, there's, you just need to, uh, have like a batch mixer and be able to pour stuff into it and then pasteurize it and store it. Um, so does, does, so there's, so there's probably a bunch of other companies that are able to do this. It's just the know-how to, you know, to make it. So right, right now the only entry to barrier is the knowledge of how to make it. There's no other like proprietary things that Oatly has. Probably the sequence. The sequence. Sequence. But like, um, and they might, I don't know. I've never seen their operations that they very well could have, um, some, proprietary technology that you can you know some piece of equipment that yeah. i've never seen in my life but like even even i think right now in my fridge i have a oat milk from trader joe's like is is oatly really anything special or are they just first to market um i think they're kind of first to market I, there are multiple players you know chobani's a player oatly that synopta um Califia Farms, even the bit, the traditional dairy people are, you know, they're starting to get mm-hmm. into it as well. I mean, that's where, that's where they're really going to be able to drive up production. It's kind of like, you know, Tesla versus the traditional automakers, you know, you got these traditional food manufacturers that just have the capacity and then you got these new startups and then the new startups can, you know, potentially work with the traditional people to, you know, ramp up production. Right. Is oats- and there are and there are some companies that you don't even nobody know you know it's not a a consumer facing name and they're just all they do is co pack yeah and I you know I don't even know what those companies are yeah you know Glo- Globochem doing everything under the sun you've never heard of them but right right uh, fuck what was I gonna say I can't remember but one of the things with Oatly is they have a partnership with Starbucks now. Like they started that in 2020. So they're getting a lot of business getting, putting oat milks and all their different drinks and whatnot. Um, and, and they're big, you know, big markets are, they're expanding in the U S and, uh, Asia, especially China. They building a plant in Singapore. Um, oh, I remember my question. 
uh, this may be silly, but like, could oat be a limiting factor in all this in the long run? Like the production the of production oats. of oat, like actually like farmers being able to grow enough oats. I don't I don't know the background on oat production, but I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did briefly read an article today about well, they offhand mentioned how you know the West is in a, a bad drought, yeah. and like most of the almond production is in California, and so. Yeah, I think almonds have taken a hit this year. So everyone's gonna be switching over to oat milk. So almond milk is, I don't, I don't know if the production has fallen off or demand or whatever, but uh, that definitely could be a problem. Oats, I, I don't know where oats are growing or how water intensive they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, feel like yeah. they're not as water intensive as almonds. I feel like almonds are like the worst thing. Yeah. So Oatly is interesting, and they and you know they just went. They just IPO'd. And then I was reading an article that Chobani may be going public in an IPO sometime soon at a potential $10 billion valuation, which would put them about equivalent to Oatly. Um, and they, you know, they're the traditional, they got, you know, started up on the uh, Greek yogurt and have just transitioned to all these other different products, flips, drinkable yogurt. They've got coffee creamers now coconut and oat based yogurts oat milk and now they're doing coffee and the coffee is um is great how old is jabani's a company um that's a good point. i feel like i started hearing about them like my gut tells me like 2010 so like I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna guess that they're like oh five yeah you're right oh five oh baby wow wow yeah that's my one win for the Look day. Go. Look at them go. Yeah, because, and they really started ramping up in like 2012. That's when they built the Twin Falls plant. And that's just a, you know, it's a huge factory. So they just, they went from, they went everywhere. Um, But yeah, Chibani's a, you know, they're a player in the oat, uh, oat milk market as well. Why? Why are they talking about going public now? after 15 years well it's all right now they they confidentially filed with the sec so it's just it's just a, a news article and they haven't i don't think they publicly commented okay. on it so i think one of the rumors they said in the article was um to get some like the early employees or investors or whoever get you know get them some them money some liquidity <laughs> yeah yeah so that'd be that'd be an interesting one. That'd be one I'd definitely uh, look into a little more. And they also Chibani. They just recently said they're going to paper cups on their um, oat yogurts right now. They're not rolling it out to all the <laughs> other stuff. Ba- baby steps. Yeah, yeah, baby steps. And um, but they're still even though it's paper, they still have to have a little bit of plastic on the inside just to maintain like the product quality. So now it's like, can you even recycle those? Uh, but like cups, how much of it actually gets recycled in the first place? Yeah. 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 But you got to start somewhere and you know, who knows where it'll go. Yeah. You have to find a way to like in a, integrate the plastic into the paper. I know that sounds super high. Like, because well, now it's a liner, <laughs> right? 
yeah. and it's a yeah, liner because so like the paper just breaks down. Right. So now, yeah, you got this like maybe you've got like you know what ten percent of whatever was going to be there just in the landfill and just you know taking five hundred years to decompose. Yeah, and that's still better than the whole thing, right? Like I'm not. Yeah. Say you recycle forty percent before but it's all plastic right. and now you're not recycling anything, but it's 10%. You still, you're still coming out ahead. Right. You're 30% ahead. Yeah. Chibani seems they, they um, tend to be on like the leading edge of just trying to like be move in a direction and then maybe other people will follow. Are, are they, they're, they're trying to be the, the Subaru of yogurt, you know, just that, that like green feeling. Yeah. Just that, that brand loyalty. Yeah. That's all I had on Chibani. <clears throat> I don't know. You want to get into something a little more technical? Yeah, sure. Why not? So another, another article, um, I think this is dairy foods. They had the, all these magazines, you know, they do a plan of the year. Do they do these like, uh, like Dave for, um, automotive do they have like a plan oh, of the yeah. year oh yeah van dyke was uh 2018 uh assembly plant of the year and that banner's still hanging still <laughs> never comes down man oh yeah they'll fly me even if they're like from the 80s <laughs> right it's like a national championship you don't take them down how many can you get well uh so there's a new plant in Michigan, Midwest Cheese. Um, it's a Glambia plant in St. John's, Michigan. You know where that's at, Matt? No, I don't. St. John's, yeah, it's right above. It's right above Valpo. St. John, you're, think, you're thinking of. Uh, you're thinking of uh, St. Joe. You're thinking of St. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. uh, it's north of Lansing. Okay, so it's middle of nowhere. Yeah, it sounds like a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most most shitholes are where a dairy plant would be located. Is that just like cheap labor, cheap land, cheap labor sort of thing, or just like probably where the cows live? Probably. I think both. all of the all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna say well from this article because once again I might know things that aren't in the article. Obviously, um, so it's a huge plant, 400,000 square feet. Um, joint venture, it's Glambia Nutritionals. They're, they're basically the operations. Um, so they operate the plant and then select milk producers and dairy farmers of America provide the milk to the plant. Um, basically the plant was built due to the excess milk supply in Michigan. <laughs> and I heard, I read somewhere that they, they process 25% of all Michigan's milk. I don't know if I fully believe that, but that's quite a stat. They they can process eight million pounds of milk a day. Pounds, yeah, which is a lot. Wow. Yeah. No so if you take so if you take eight eight million in you, so your typical dairy tanker that's going across the road, it can hold fifty thousand pounds. But in Michigan, yeah. they can do what's called um, they're like whales. Basically, they can double that because Michigan doesn't care about their roads, so they'll let <laughs> yeah. so they'll let a hundred thousand pounds of milk go down the road it's, it's these... like an axle thing right like that's why yeah you, that, that's why you see so many trucks in michigan they're just like oh yeah let's have fucking 18 20 wheels it makes it fine right yeah yeah it yeah. does 
So that's so that's 160 of the typical 5,000 gallon, 50,000 pound uh, uh, dairy tankers, and then obviously it'd be you know half that. But there's a there's always a combo. You know you always ha- you have a mixture of the super tankers and then the regular, and sometimes some in between. Some guys just like they'll custom make a dairy tanker and it'll be like seventy five thousand or something. <laughs> Um, so they were talking about in the article that they were praising 3d modeling like AutoCAD 3d modeling and all that, which that's a, that'd be a crazy file for that big of a plant. It's, uh, um, pretty useful when you have all these different entities that need to, you know, put in pipe and electrical and underground and you can all merge all the files together and see clashes and collisions and whatnot. Yep. Um, but anyways, so the, so the process is pretty interesting. So, and I don't know exactly if they do this here exactly, but they bring, you know, you bring the raw milk in to like a receiving bay. You got to store it in those big, tall silos, you know, and then, from there, so this is a cheese plant. So they, they, I can't, I, I don't remember if they, if it's a microfiltration or ultrafiltration. I don't really know. Um, but they basically pre filter the milk and they can do, do it one do you, to do you know bacteria. The, do you know the stat that uh, differentiates micro from ultra? It's just the size of the membranes. Yeah. You know, that. and I think the pressure. Do, oh, man. Is. Thought you knew this shit. Letting us down. <laughs> this is why I'm not going to present anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't remember the exact like the freaking nanometers or whatever. I was gonna say it's, it's definitely less. But basically, if you if you did a, if you did micro filtration with milk, you're basically filtering out bacteria, which are pretty large. Mm-hmm. And if you do ultra filtration, you'll actually will concentrate the milk a little bit. That's what I was going to say. You have to. You'll actually them. you'll remove some water, yeah. along with some other stuff. Yeah. And that's actually good because if you remove a little bit of the water, now you have a higher um, casein, just protein concentration right. going to the vats, so you get a higher yield because you're just you're not messing with so much water. So I can't remember. I don't know. I, I I don't know what they do. Whether they do MF or UF, but they did talk about filtration. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe they do some other filtration. But that would that, be the one of the two I would think they do. That's uh, then. Is what is there a so there, is there a waste stream generated from that? A waste. Yeah, when you're filtering. Yeah, there'll be like the permeate stream. If they're um, doing like theoretically whatever that ridiculous number was like what was it like eight eight hundred how, how many pounds eight, a day? Million. eight million pounds eight million. a day yeah. like how how much of a waste stream would that be well they um so they talk about water reuse okay and in dairy plants especially when you have a lot of uh filtration like uh cross flow membrane filtration you'll you'll capture that and then you'll basically reverse osmosis use use reverse osmosis to um 
save the water mm-hmm. and then yeah. then you'll have an even smaller waste stream so you'll still have some you know you, you can't um yeah remove everything but they, i mean they try to recover i think what they say in the article 95 percent of the water so but, like before you go okay on, so, so yeah like, so the milk gets oh go ahead <laughs> go ahead fucking no you're good so like we talked about the straining or i'm sorry the filtering like you know that like Fairlife milk brand that's always like oh 14 yeah. 14 grand are they just like ultra filtering and that's how they get a higher protein concentration they do something like that i don't fully know what they do i know you don't they know probably ultra, they probably they probably do ultra filtration right right they're not actually doing anything different or getting any different milk they're just like they paid for the better filter system or something like that yeah, I mean it's Out it's of, expensive. You know, you gotta buy you gotta buy the membrane system. You gotta oh, yeah. operate it yeah, over I'm, time. Yeah. It's pretty energy intensive. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying anything's free. I'm just just the the fifty thousand foot view, right? I understand now why yeah. there's more. And and you know they might have another. Yeah, they're just removing some water. Removing some water. And then just seeing if consumers will like the taste of that. <laughs> well, it's super good. Like the white, you like the white Fairlife milk? No, I've never had the white one. I only get the chocolate one. <laughs> Chocolate's not bad. The white one, get the white one and see what it tastes like. <laughs> then we'll the talk. <laughs> Come talk to me if you had it. <laughs> Come talk to me. Damn, what you my ex- old boss from Shamball, he said it was chalky and I agreed with him. Uh, so then, yeah, so then there's this typical dairy plant stuff after this filtration step standardized. So you get like the right milk fats because the cheeses, different cheeses take different milk fats, you know, they're making like American style cheeses. So like cheddar and Colby Jack and pepper Jack and that kind of thing. And then pasteurized, that's all pretty standard. So, but the, the interesting thing they make, um, cheese in 40 and 640 pound blocks so like you know the a parmesan wheel is about 82 pounds that you see like i think costco has them or yeah see see on the tv see on the tv um so they make 40 pound blocks and then 640 pound blocks and basically those just go to another plant what what you would call a converter that would be like a saputo so a saputo, not, I'm not saying they're taking these exactly, but they'll they'll bring in blocks of cheese, and then they'll do all sorts of things: slice it, shred it, um, cube it, put it in their own packaging, and then now they market it as their own. So you could you could say like Glambia would be um, providing for private label or they're co-packing for other people or whatever, because you don't really see like Glambia branded although they they probably do have some you know you obviously don't buy a 40 pound cheese block either so then they so the process is they have these cheese vats so it's like your you know your pot on your stove they go to these draining belts which are these very automated in a very automated way of how they uh, add salt and they could add like additional flavor like I don't actually I don't know if they could add like 
you know, jalapeno or uh, stuff for pepper jack or whatever. I I think they can do it on those draining belts. And then the block formers, that's where they just create the big blocks and they're just like these vertical columns and they use gravity and vacuum and whatnot to form the block of cheese. But the interesting thing is, so you have, so you have this 8 million pounds of raw milk coming in. Usually you only get about, it varies. Everybody thinks they're doing better than others about like a 10, slightly over 10% yield. So only like slightly over 10% of that 8 million pounds turns into um, cheese. And the remainder is whey, which is just a liquid. And so they create crazy (laughs) amount of, they create a crazy amount of whey, right? So like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, like seven, seven point <laughs> two million pounds away. Right. So for eight million pounds of milk, you only get eighty thousand, or yeah, plus or minus. Yeah. And then you get a shit ton of whey, which they sell the protein powder companies. Right. So this is just a crazy like. Um, so there's a shit ton of balance whey in the marketplace that all these protein companies are just making a ton of money off of. Right. Because there's so much of it. <laughs> right. We're in the wrong game. Actually, that's, I, I mean, I, I don't know this, but they, I'd have to look at the, their, because Glambia is a publicly traded company, but I don't know if they break out their financials that well, but they may make more from whey proteins than they do the cheese. Jeez. One, that making the cheese is not that hard. I mean, the whey side, there's all sorts of other equipment, like the the whey processing that they describe in this article. I mean, there are 12 filtration systems just for the whey side. And that's all it is. It's just like a crazy mass balance of you take this whey and, there, and it comes off in all different streams. You know, they might take, um, you get the whey off of the vats, you get the whey off of the draining belts, you get the whey off the block formers. And those all have like different little, some may have salt, some, right. you know, if you're, if you're in the vats, it doesn't have salt in it. If it's in the draining belt, it's got salt. You got to treat those things differently. Yeah. Like density is the wrong word, but they're all unique properties. Right. Yeah, so they so use they these mix. filtration systems. Well, they, they do all sorts of stuff, but they use these filtration systems basically to further concentrate the whey protein and they make different products, whey protein, concentrate, whey protein, isolate. And they get that to a point where it's a liquid in a silo using all these different, you know, they, they use a combination of uh, like nano, ultra, RO. And so when you have all those, you, you have permeate streams, you have your concentrate and permeate streams. And all of those, depending on what you're trying to save, you know, they're also getting water from the way. So, you know, you, you're you're concentrate concentrating the whey protein down and then you're getting rid of the water and then the water is going through its own filtration system and then that's getting captured as what they call category one which is all just like it's there's this legal document that tells you what category one basically for our purposes is potable water so they're basically taking concentrating the whey down to get into its whey proteins you're getting the water off and then they spray dry the whey and then you're basically, you know, so this milk that you're bringing into the plant, you're getting cheese out of it. You're getting whey powder 
and then you're getting a bunch of water that you can use throughout the plant to clean and push product around and um, all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty interesting. They, they use, you know, they try to use as much as they can of the water in the plant. So has big cheese just been pushing whey protein powder on us? It always comes back. To I big don't know. Cheese. I don't know that. <laughs> it all comes big, back big, to big, big cheese, big, big dairy. But like, did so did they have to like develop a market for this? Like, when when did whey come on the scene? Like, I feel like I mean we're runners, so like we don't remember it as well. But I feel like in like high school, like was it was it. Was it, has oh it, yeah, like football players, yeah, creatine yeah. and all that. But like, stuff. how yeah. far back does wh- or does whey powder go? Well, I think, like, I think it's pretty. Go ahead. Is that your cat? I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's in within like uh, maybe a generation. Because yeah. like, like um, older, you know, engineers, they say like you know whey used to just be a. Uh, a waste stream and you would just like have to dispose of it. it they do it like, um, put it on fields, spray it on field, you know, do, do give it to know, the cows, stuff. get some jacked cows, <laughs> basically just like get rid of it. And now, and now it's, you know, recently probably in the last, I don't know, 40 years or something. They've yeah, been turning like it your, into your cousins that 13. are like 40 probably didn't have it when they were in high school but i feel like since we've been around it's always been available plus like the technology to be able to process it um yeah these you know the the crazy membrane membrane systems now that you know they've been also developing simultaneously yeah so but i feel like people who aren't engineers don't think about like waste streams and like of course not looking to do things with waste streams not just like reduce them but also like find a way to sell them (laughs) right right yeah yeah and actually um there so there's another entity so not they said in the article that there's this other company i think proliant that's across the street from them and they get piped permeate from some part of the process (laughs) and they further do some things so you could look i think you could look up pro lion I, I don't know exactly what they do they're i think a nutritional company as well the thing is like this I, these proteins whey proteins um powders and stuff like yeah they're not only in like um these uh gnc you know muscle building mm-hmm. type stuff but they also are like food scientists use it to like for formulations of stuff like to add additional protein to, I mean, it's probably, um, you know, they, they add it to all sorts of stuff. You know, you look at a, something that's got a label and there's probably whey yeah, protein whey. powder in there. So it's just, it's a just like additional a simple ingredient. adder. Yeah. Probably doesn't into, add, add much taste or anything. It just is add some know, protein, just, some calories and call it good. Right. Yeah. That's what we do as engineers. We take the waste streams and make them useful. Yeah, but you gotta make them useful, like on your own, on your own time. Don't let your company. (laughs) But that never happens. Monetize it on your own. Yep. So is there Uh, is is it so large? Do they have like economics of scale, like in in the dairy industry? Like, 
with some of this equipment, like what's what's the advantage of being large? It's a good question. I mean, yeah, yeah, the economies of scale obviously are there, but um, it's this one. This is a joint venture. Uh huh. They've done something. Some I think Glambia has done something similar in the Southwest. There's another big plant that does this. I don't know if they touch in this in the article, but there are such things as like they call them balancing plants, and this could very well be it for um, Michigan. It basically helps Michigan balance their milk supply <laughs> because they can absorb. I mean, if if it's true, twenty five percent of all of Michigan's uh, dairy. That's that's probably like twenty five percent is probably like a high water mark. Yeah, that's probably like yeah high like a record year or something. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I Glambia is very big into this, um, into the, the protein powders. So, um, I don't really, I don't, I don't really think, I, I don't know if cheese is their main product. I think it's all about the whey protein. So you really need, you really do need economies of scale to get that much whey protein, like concentrate nicely. One, you're going to build a huge spray dryer. You know, that's like how tall it is, 10 stories or something. I mean, it's huge. You need a lot of, you to, to keep that thing running along, you know, spray dryers. I think they typically run them like three days before they clean them, two or three days. I'm probably getting that wrong. Um, but they run them multiple days. Normally, like when you, when you're cleaning equipment, you try to do it every day. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to do it every day. So you have... There's a sequence, you know, that you're cleaning stuff, but a spray dryer, you can actually um, um, go a couple days. Is there, uh, is there a company known for making spray dryers and or a country known for making spray dryers? I feel um, like, I feel like that's a very, maybe it's not. Is, is it, I guess, is it a niche uh, thing or is there a need for a lot of spray dryers out there where there's a lot of companies doing it? Um, I think there are only like a select few companies that make a good one. Yeah. Um, surprisingly New Zealand, they're, um, they're very, they're kind of like, they're kind of like, I don't know if you want to say cutting edge, but like they kind of, they're a big dairy exporter Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of dairy knowledge and especially with spray dryers and things. Mm -hmm. So I'd say probably U.S. and, and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. U.S. makes sense. Europe. New, New Zealand's Europe. a little surprising. I can't remember. I think Europe might, but I, I don't fully know. Um, the big the big spray dryers. This is his offhand. You know, eight months have passed since I've really been into this. Like Tetra Pak is a big one. Um, GEA makes them. Can't remember a New Zealand company offhand, but those are the two that some of the two big guys. Mm-hmm. There's a third player, and I can't remember them offhand. But yeah, there's like a handful that you know when you do a big project, you're you're going to like three people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so so the other thing I was looking at with this, um, and I kind of been thinking about it ever since I was at Shamball in like dairy plants. I mean, they're pretty, pretty automated. The plant that I worked at in, 
Michigan, they they could basically run with like they had a couple people in the receiving bay, couple operators on the production side. I mean, you could run with like five or six people and process three million pounds a day. Now, obviously, yeah. it's a different process than this, so they're pretty automated. But with this, how big a plant this is, I'm just thinking like what's because they have all sorts of valves and pumps and, you know, VFDs, everything's like, you know, moving A to B pretty automated, but there's still things, obviously people have to man like the control screens. So like, you now have to have a lot more sophisticated operator, engineer, controls engineer who can, you know, understand what's going on. Cause the problems that they'll have are way more complicated than just like hooking a pipe up and flipping a switch, you know? Yeah. Uh, being able to like hook a truck up like a dairy tanker up to the plant, you know, you got like a swing arm and you got to like make a connection like that still needs to be automated in some fashion. And they also still have to flip up the lid on the dairy tanker so that you don't suck in the tanker. <laughs> I feel like that should be the easiest one to automate, man. Yeah. Why is that just built into the trailer? Well, that's the thing. So, uh, the tankers are all, you know, they could all be different. I guess, yeah, they they're like all different. Adi- they need different adapters. They could be different sizes. The tanks, the so tankers, some, are, so yeah, the tankers are all different sizes. Does the truck driver climb up there or the, the dairy plant employee? There's a, a dairy plant employee. Hmm. So what do they it use? Seems- a stick? <laughs> Get the stick out. They, they do got to like ladle. They got a ladle in there to pull out some milk and well, Take a shot. Take a quick shot. It's good. Pump it. (laughs) Yeah, they got it. Like they got to test it. You know, for like antibiotics and all that stuff. And then they got to lift the lid up, put a filter. So they put a filter so that nothing can get into it, but also allows air to not. You know. Yeah. So there's not like a duck. The volume swimming around in there that you suck in. (laughs) Right. This is. And then you got it. Then you hook it. What? This is dumb. Why do they even put a screen up there if they're? filtering it at like the micron level sub micron like even if a duck falls in there what's it matter because <laughs> that will clog well, up your filter quickly well one you're gonna you're gonna well well here's yeah as soon as it comes out of the tanker you're gonna hit a centrifugal pump so it's gonna like shear the hell out of that <laughs> out of that duck and then now you've got all these like organs that are duck organs know, floating around <laughs> and they're going to filtered a, out it's, it's part and of they're the going to a silo yeah they're going to a silo and now now you've got these like floating organs on top of this milk that's going up and down up and down and a eventually yeah timeline, get... everything gets filtered out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. you're telling me there's some opportunity in the milk unloading marketplace but but it's it's not standardized and how do, yeah, how do you standardize just, that across all these little little dairies? Well, we gotta start right. with the trailers. You'd have to start. But like, could you like, could you make like a universal adapter that you can just like automate? You know, like they they dock the, with you to the space station automatically. Why why the fuck can't we pump milk yeah, automatically? Exactly. But I bet but like there's one trailer that is the predominant trailer in the marketplace. Yeah, but then no, then right. you have there's, the oddball. It's the eighty twenty rule, you know. Eighty percent of the time you'll be fine. But then you know, you know this truck from the seventies that's sell the eighty percent of the, the marketplace. We're trying to get rich, not fucking solve world hunger. <laughs> you'd have to like change. Yeah, you'd have to like state by state. You'd have to like mandate certain tank 
Well, actually, no, it's 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 plant by plant because some plants may be they may have like what they call like a captive fleet, which they have. It's all their say that say it's all their own farms feed that dairy plant. So yeah. they could standardize and then they could automate it. But it's like a plant this size They're in there. They're getting potentially 80 to 160 trucks a day. Good chance that and they're taking it from two different suppliers very good chance that they're not going to be you know standardized trucks so you have three so maybe different... there's this is another thing to talk about when we're having our cheese charcuterie board because i have some ideas already <laughs> about automation but it's just expensive but yeah because it's no different than processing yeah. like large automotive parts it's the exact same thing you just need a camera system that can identify some kind of common geometry Oh man! All you have to do is throw a vision system into a project. You're golden. Then it takes off. People, people love the term vision system right now, but they don't love the price of it. You, they're getting pretty. It's getting pretty cheap though. (laughs) You haven't been burned yet. (laughs) Uh, Say vision, vision system, and cobot done. (laughs) You can work Uh, alongside the robot. Ford's so safe that we have cobots that we put in cages fences around. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so these stupid. Robots that... There's an ISO. <laughs> I There's know. an ISO standard for it. Like the whole reason they Dude. made cobots, like they wrote up an ISO standard for it. We're, I, I know, I know. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> I could send you a picture tomorrow. <laughs> I could probably send it right now. Like, why, why bother then? Just, just, just buy a freaking ABB that can pick up the car rather than a cobot that can pick up, you know, 20 kilograms. Well, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the application. Like, cobots mountings are different Cheap. than your standard. Uh, what are they? IBR series robots or whatever. Yeah, do they yeah, have different they all like, make um, one. KUKA, foundation ABB requirements. Family, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, we're so safe that we don't Cob- use cobots to their fullest extent. <laughs> so cobots, you can like you could uh, retrofit them a lot easier than like an ABB, where you need to probably like cut out the floor and pour new foundation potentially. No, like cobots is just a. They have like force. It's, it's force not a mar- feedback. Plus yeah, like, like taking step back. It's not a marketing term, but it's collaborative yeah. robots. So like what Matt said, they have force feedback. So like they're all sizes. They're not like as big as what you're talking about, Corbin. They're more like a large workbench would be able to like support all of their payload capabilities. Yeah. Like like maybe twelve and a half kilograms. Max there, some some are getting pretty big. I think uh, Universal Robots put out one that could pick up like forty kilograms. Sure. And then, like Matt said, like it's it has force feedback, so as soon as you like bump it with the back of your hand, it shuts off. Yeah, but like there's a certain speed you can operate at too. So like you're not gonna be like break next speed like you would be. Yeah. And like the the ISO standard has like end end of arm tool stuff too, like. Which is why I don't yeah. understand you're you're putting it in a cage if you can just follow the ISO standard. And... It's not in a cage. It's a it's a laser barrier. Oh, whatever. A, you're still wasting money. A, <laughs> I'm protecting my people. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they're they're pretty interesting. They're pretty cool. They're fun to play with. 
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, that, that, so like in the dairy plant, that would, that would probably come in downstream when everything's in a package, you know, like these. Yeah. Although they still use like the ABB or Fanic, like the, the 20 kg bags. They've got like the little arm, you know, grab it. And so it's just palletizing. Stack of pallet, yeah. palletizing and it, that type uh, of thing. Uh, you know, in, in aviation, we're kind of low volume, which like automation hasn't lent itself well to just because it costs. Right. But like with with a co, I was able to get a cobot at my last job and able to do a few things with it just because it was so cheap. But like yeah. with with a dairy plant where you're doing the same thing over and over oh, again, yeah. you might be you know Super better off easy. going with you know an ABB or, or something that you don't really care about and just throw a cage around it. But like yeah. when you're doing a lot of variation, it you don't always get a good ROI with a expensive robot. Makes sense. There's other so another thing. There's a couple of things about automation that I was thinking about. But have you have you guys seen any um, uh, automated loading of like a semi trailer? Uh, I s- have. Are you talking about um, Boston Dynamics weird? Little ostrichy looking robot. I think that might have been unloading. I've never seen anything. I don't know. I think if you look up like Boston Dynamics ostrich, I don't know. It's called something like that, but it was for unloading. They're working on like unloading. I don't know if they're working on loading too, just because it's like one of those like strenuous, like awful jobs to do, but like it's done everywhere. Hmm. That that's where I could see some difficulty, like. Just trying to, I mean, I mean, all semi trailers are what the same. They're the same, pretty much standardized shape, standardized. And if you have pallets that are, um, pre, you know, you already got the order sitting there outside, you know, in your warehouse. There's got to be an easy way to, you know, automate that somehow. But the only other thing in like a dairy that I can think about that needs work on automation are like manual hookups of like tanks and specialty equipment, like the cheese vats you still have. So like the cheese vats, you have this man way that you got to open. You've got to like cut the, these people, you know, they have cheese makers that still cut the curd and make sure that, you know, that the, the milk is setting up properly. Uh, so is that all done by like feel? Well, Smaller planes, yes. I think they're turning to more automation. They have like are developing sensors that can yeah give um, give some tell quantitative you, like, where the curds at, right? Um, so I think I think that would just be a thing that needs to like just keep moving in a, an automation direction. Um, so I, I think a cheese vat could eventually be fully automated. The silos. The, the big tall silos you'll see those still require quite a bit of a manual hookup like they've got a door that you've got to open when it's empty and you're going to go to clean it because the cleaning aspect um you have to have the door open otherwise you could potentially suck that thing in while you're cleaning it because <laughs> you're spraying it with hot cip solution so like 160 170 degree solution and then say you're chasing it 
you're, you're rinsing it after that at a potentially 50 degree solution. Um, so that can cause all sorts of problems. You don't want to heat shock it. Um, so those are all things that they, they got to basically, you just got to size your vents, right? But as soon as you start adding to, to, to make like engineers sign off on these tanks to be able to clean them with the door closed, you'd have to have these huge vents on them, eight, 10 inch. And now those are things that you now have to clean because it's a food plant. Mm -hmm. Basically anything that could potentially see product, you, you have to be able to clean it in some way. So you try to minimize the amount of surface area. Yeah. So I think there's, and, and I have heard that they make silos that you can clean with the door closed and it's all automated but i think not too in the not too distant future you could have what's called like a lights out facility where you don't really need an operator in a dairy plant it can just go from the receiving all the way to finished and yeah may not need to see a person but when you're in the middle of nowhere st john lansing paying an operator you know 15 dollars an hour your ROI might not be there. Right. Right. Yeah. You can, you can pay for them to, um, hook up the silos for CIP yeah. and general walk around. And, and there's still like all sorts of sanitation requirements, you know, that they have to swab, uh, different pieces of equipment, make sure there's no, um, maybe, maybe, uh, New Zealand, coliform. New Zealand or Europe will, will lead the way with their higher labor prices. Yeah, that's probably where it'll happen. Well, that's it. Food industry. So there's a lot of automation opportunities. <laughs> I think there is in most industries. There's just not the pressure to do it. Yeah, there's, it's all about the money. Yeah, yeah. And when labor's cheap. I think this whole truck bent gizmo is something you should talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's start making uh, trailers for milk. Hauling. We don't need to make the trailer. We just need to make the gizmo. You just got to sell the gizmo. That's true. That's make make the gizmo, it. patent it. And then... That's uh, right. What's the gizmo you're trying to make? The adapter? I don't know. Yeah, I've never like seen pop, a dairy trailer up close. Pops up and then just slides <laughs> yeah. the filter in. Yeah, or just have the things. filter already preloaded. Why, why isn't the filter in there the whole time? Oh, in the... Top man way. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. Who knows what happens at the dairy farm? Yeah. Dairy trailer for sale. So uh, I think a lot of the dairy trailers, you'll see they're made by, um, if you look at Wabash National, there's a company that Wabash National owns that uh, makes a lot of the uh, trailers. Now they make the 50,000 pound. Okay, go to uh, wabashnational.com slash brand slash walker. That, that has a couple good pictures. Send send the link in the uh, the chat off the right here. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, shit. we'll cheat. There we go. Not I forgot. About, I forgot we have a chat 
Yeah, I don't know why they don't have a screen share though. Okay. These are some. Oh, these so, are sixty-five gallons, not pounds. So what? So this is what they got to do. So if you're looking at that picture, there's a yep. that uh, stainless screen on the bottom, like so you, you kind of can see where the outlet of it is, right? Yeah, the button there. Yeah. So there's see that blue. There's like a blue. Uh, I think it's like a tag. Yeah. Yeah. That that. I'm pretty sure that it, they seal it at the dairy farm and then the plant will break it has to break it. Cause that's, you're like now like transferring the custody of the well, milk. This from the is farm. like some teamster fucking stealing meat bullshit. Oh, I don't know where my <laughs> sticker is. What is that? The Irishman I think this, that's in that movie. <laughs> I think these are all like, these are all like regulations, like um, the this, interstate milk shippers and so this, Michigan dairy it blows regulation. my mind how we're trying to like go to decentralized finance and at the same time we're certifying tanks with stickers <laughs> hey man some <laughs> what are we doing with our lives <laughs> uh, sorry go yeah, ahead so so also that yeah that adds a little kink into our automation where now we have to have like this little automated snipper scissor guy <laughs> done that's so easy done 2d matrix <laughs> and then we've got to like we've got to unscrew this stainless uh cover and then i don't know if they'll show it this big cover yeah they got to unscrew that's easy. that boom done but even then you could you could make a custom cap to make it even easier if you need like some locating. yeah, sell everyone a new cap. If you want to use our automation, you need a new cap. Just too. make like locating pins or something. I was just gonna find this diameter with a camera and then like put a three jaw chuck around it and spin it. But like, I would just fucking add like two fucking holes to it and just have like two prongs come in. And just although it doesn't matter. Okay, Look, I sent you another image. <laughs> Listen, you two idiots! <laughs> You're so this, this is now what, what do you do? <laughs> this, oh, so that's all up in there. There's doors on that one. Well, yeah. So this is like a. Uh, I'm not sure. This, so this is obviously a different type, but this yeah. same premise. There's you have the outlet, and then you usually have like an an elbow. It doesn't necessarily have to be an elbow, but you've got a. It's usually like a three inch. Could be four inch. I think there are some that are like six inch connections and it's usually a um could be like a bevel seat basically it's like a nut there's like a nut that you have to actually screw on there so there's a thing so you've got um let me send you the next thing it's like a beverage or dairy industry 101 uh, right here don't you miss work (laughs) i like the ideas of this stuff but it's the it's most things in life the day to day. Yeah, here we go. We we can't be the first. There's got to be somebody who put out like some like next generation dairy tanker and like showed it off at trade shows, and then like everyone's just like, "Fuck you, we're not updating it." No, there probably is. This is literally just a a tube with a gasket. Okay, fancy. So seen that. <laughs> Matt's so in that's, aviation just like laughing his ass off. He's like, this is what you think is fancy? <laughs> well, how do you automate connecting that up? 
dude, like there's got to there's got to be some sort of liquid. I mean, we we fuel up fighter jets midair. Yeah, yeah just, <laughs> I think we can handle just, pumping. Just, but like, you got to do it sanitary. That's the thing. Just make like some like disposable gasket or something each time. Just like some compression gasket or something that goes on like the ass end. Just like you know, fucks well, like, the truck. If if this lower tube is in some kind of known position, and then you put this like clean gasket with like a two finger loader and then you do like this somehow sanitary which is totally doable because we made like valve bodies in clean rooms so like boop, 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 totally fine and then where did my picture go and then you just like you'd have to do it like in an orientation where it's not going to go but yeah then you and then I don't know how you do the wing nut action but that just, just don't even do you really even need the wing nut if you have enough compression i know i mean i guess you run the chance of draining you know if you don't have it if you don't have it like just right it could i mean leak yeah but there's different ways to well like seal up the one a, drop a like nut. who the hell cares you have only a 10 percent yield anyways why are we crying about one drop <laughs> even if we don't, lost a whole don't. truck you're still only at 10 percent yield who cares Oh, they would care. I know they, they care. care. I get I think the I think another way I think I think I might have heard about this in the past. But um I think GEA has a video of this on YouTube. Um I think another way you could unload a dairy tanker and so you're trying to hook it up to like a the suction of a pump in our the case we've been describing. But I think there's another way where you could if you could somehow maybe you would change the back end of the truck to where it can just dump that uh, 50,000 pounds into like a sump. And yeah. then from there it can, you can automate it away. But then you're cleaning so now out you're not sump. trying to, what's that? And then you're cleaning out a sump. Yeah. But you can automate that pretty easily. Cause that'll be a stationary. Yeah. So maybe we're over. Just gravity yeah. drain into the sump. Yeah. Why doesn't like the truck get some kind of like, like Matt was saying, with the aircraft carrier refueling, like something comes out and like you stake a inlet. Again, sanitary. There has to be some way to just like. So the thing. So you got you got to think like you got to think as the fluid in the in, in the pipe, it cannot hit like any sort of crevice. Like it can't hit threads. It can't hit like any sort of. Um, like crev you know it just can't hit anything that where you couldn't clean it like it's got to be a smooth impervious surface that's what makes it tricky because you, you, yeah, you could just like compression it on but now you, who knows what the inside of that looks like and you know stuff could gum it up and you know there could be i'm not being like e coli or whatever or combative but like Again, like if we're super filtering it and then pasteurizing it, why do we care? Because the because <laughs> there, the rules there are say so. Because the the laws say so. I get that, but like there, the laws. Uh, yeah, that's. Checked. I mean, that's that's a lot of it. That's a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, because the laws were written at a time where like we didn't know how to do things cleanly. And so like at this point, I don't know. It's, but then when you change the laws, like people let things slide, blah blah blah, and you get teamsters and the Irishmen yeah. all over again. 
So, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, hear it's you. It's a combo. It's a combo. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky. It's a tricky one. Well, we can talk about it at the marathon. <laughs> Let's just buy it like a used cobot and find a bullshit reason to use it. Mm. Opening beers. Oh, <laughs> uh, actually. <laughs> So at my last job, I was working at Cobot, and then my my buddy went to uh, Vegas, and uh, he saw that there was like an automated uh, like drink server, and it was using the exact same fucking Cobot that we had. I was like, God damn, yeah. we just need to steal our Cobot and set up a bar. Were yeah. they filling it from the bottom? No. Oh, really? Yeah. Were they actually yeah. doing the handle? Yeah. Uh, That's yeah. Cool. What is it? Royal Caribbean uses like the Cobots. Yeah. Or the ABB oh, to make robots. cocktails. Yeah, they make cocktails. I mean, it, it's not that hard. You just buy it and tell it what to open. Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw one of those at a trade show, but it was the from, from the bottom, Phil. Yeah. yeah, I've seen those. But then you gotta buy special cups. Right. That's right. For the dairy industry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fill your milk from the bottom. <laughs> Why would I want that? <laughs> It's different. It came with a blue seal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's 10 o'clock. All right. I'm out. I got to go finish watching Below Deck. Oh, man. Ah. What do you think? Oh. Yeah, what do you think of the new new girl? Yeah. She's awful. Yeah, she's a deckhand and she's being a stewardess. Like, there's the whole R. Are you guys just gonna form a podcast about below deck? I think that might be more successful than, than what we're doing right now. <laughs> I mean, there's that. That's just pretty interesting. I like it. You could come up with such a catchy title like "Below Deck." Let me think on that. I feel like like below deck it's really so catchy. offers. Hold on, let me think about it. It offers itself like something with deck. Like just add one more word to it. Below, not like below deck after Dude, hours. Like that sounds. Deck. Like they already have that. I think that's what the actual talk show is called. Maybe. Oh, son of a bitch! Oh yeah, that's a new. That's a every show's got like a show that talks about it afterward. It's true. Yeah, I mean like Walking Rick and Dead Morty has one. Rick and Morty has one. <laughs> Yeah, I think shit! So. I didn't know that. I don't know if it's technically like a official a talk show, but they do like a after the episode, you know, with the producer, directors, whatever. Damn, I didn't know that. Wow, really? Every show does. I don't know about every show, but I have seen it. Are they like every start going show? The whoever does the voices, and I don't know. I don't know if it has a small crew or what. Below deck overboard. No, I think that's an actual podcast. <laughs> huh? I think that's an oh, actual podcast. Me, God damn. Below deck, uh, drowned to death. <laughs> All we talk about is the alcohol scenes. <laughs> yes, you got to find your niche. <laughs> <laughs> we only review the most outrageous below Man. deck alcohol induced scenes. Yeah. Well, uh, the pre the the previous charter guests, man, they were they were pounding some. <laughs> Some but drinks, like they weren't, weren't they? like massive either. So like they must like try to be fit, <laughs> or they like don't. Yeah, eat. I mean they were like they they made it like a mission. Like we want lots of drinks and we want them now. I like the the Tito's and tea thing. You know, I might have to try that. Oh yeah, did you have to make that were, on the morning back? They were making uh like canned Lipton peach tea. 
and Tito's. And I was like, all right, I can see that. I like I, I did I did an Arnold Palmer, an Arnold Palmer with vodka. That wasn't too bad. Solid. You put vodka in anything? Yeah. You can. All right. All right. We'll do the See below deck podcast the next the next time. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back with you next time.